0: It is just the way our memories are volatile, unless those that are called genius, amen? So we mentioned about seven um, different uh, tips that can help you in becoming a friend like Jesus. Can anyone remember at least one or two? Yes, ma'am. Be transparent. Be open. Wonderful. Any other taker? That's good. Otherwise, I won't preach if there was no one to mention at least one. Okay? So, yes, ma'am. Love. Love. Number one. Love. Excellent. That's good. Out of seven, two. But that's not a pass mark. Be the good friend yourself. Okay? Excellent. Any more? I'm encouraged now. Yes, ma'am. Pray for each other. Wonderful. Wonderful. We're getting there. Four out of seven. Almost passed, Mark. One more, and we can really. Yes, ma'am. Don't be judgmental. Okay, that's part of it. Forgiveness. Excellent. Excellent. Forgiveness. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Okay, so we can move on to today's message. So we mentioned several things that are tips that can help us to be a friend like Jesus. We said that day the reason why good friends are scarce is because you are not one of them. And so you start by becoming one, and then the scarcity will diminish. Amen? So we are going to move forward, and I'm not just going to repeat that. I'm just going to build on one of the uh, tips of becoming a good friend, and it's the one that we said is number one, love. I want to share briefly with us about love. I know we are so familiar with that, and I want to point to us a need for us to reevaluate the message we've heard about love and how we have positioned ourselves in terms of God's love, amen? Because without it, you cannot really be a good friend. You cannot love, I mean, you cannot be a good friend if you don't have love. It is impossible, impossible. Okay? Yes. And so we want to try and uh, uh, have a conversation around that. My uh, hope today is that through this, um, we will begin to see the possibility for us to enter into the fullness of God. Because God is love. I don't just want to practice to do love. No, I want to be love. That's the fullness of God. God is love. God don't just love. God don't just do love or pretend to love. No, he is love. And and so I'm just trying to see if we can uh, depend on the Holy Spirit together this morning to introduce us into this, this dimension wherein we are not content with just saying, I love you. We're beginning to enter aggressively Making dialogues with God that we are not content. We want to be who you are because you have created us to be you. And until I begin to manifest the fullness of God, I am not fulfilled. I should not be satisfied. Amen? Where it begins is for you to realize and accept the fact that it is possible. As long as you think it is not possible, you are making God a liar. Begin by agreeing that if God says you are the same with Christ as he is, so are we in this world. You have to begin by just accepting. If you you don't understand, you don't have to understand it. Just agree because God cannot lie. The Bible says it is impossible for God to lie. If God says he has created me in his likeness, that's it. I may not understand it. I may not feel like it. It begins by me believing and accepting that truth. Amen? So this morning, we're going to look at the issue of love. And the question I want to pose to you is, can love and hatred dwell in me? Can love and hatred dwell dwell in you? Any taker? Um... Yes or no? Can love and hatred dwell in you? It's a question. Yes, yes no. Do we take a vote? Yes, no, yes, no. What? Yes. It's, a, it's a trick question. Okay? No. Some insist is no. I think we're going to have... <laughs> Amen. Let me rephrase the question. Is it okay for love and hate to dwell in you? Yes. <laughs> Amen. I love it. So the first is: can love and hate dwell in you? Yes. And it is, is it okay? Is it all right for love? And hate to dwell in you I will let you keep the answer for now amen <laughs> I let that dwell and begin to think about it as we have this short conversation okay amen so let me take you to the first scripture by the time we finish this first scripture I'm sure the no and yes answer may begin to come together it may begin to match okay let's read the first scripture from um, book of James James chapter three. James chapter three. Let's read from verse number nine. Can love and hate dwell in you, or is it okay for love and hate to dwell in you? There are two separate questions, okay, and let's see the begin to see if we can find answers as we wrap up this quickly. James chapter 3, verse number 9. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth, come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree be our olives or a grapevine be our figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let me ask the question again. Can love and hate dwell in you? Should love and hate dwell in you? Okay. No, it's getting louder. All right. Okay. It's okay. Let's read that same scripture again in message version. <laughs> My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water. One day, I'm brackish the next. Does it? Apple tree don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You are not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water. Are you? Do you want to be count? Well, let me, let me leave that one alone. Let me ask that question again. It seems everyone says no to those questions, right? I didn't hear a single yes. To these questions. Okay, let me repeat my question again. Can love and hate dwell in you? Is it okay for love and hate or hatred to dwell in you? Yes. If you do an exam that requires yes and no, there is no third option that says possible or not possible. I'm hearing it is possible. It is, You have to learn to pass your exams. It is a yes or no question. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you say no to all the questions that the Bible asked, why are you finding it difficult to answer those two questions? You cannot get an apple from an olive, the Bible says no. It's asking you and you all say no. Why then do we think it is okay for us that hatred and love should dwell in us? The first question, the answer is yes. It is possible. We all have the proclivity to harbor hatred. love we all have the capability we can't is possible for us if we choose to the second question is is it okay it is not okay it is an abnormality for love and hate to dwell in our heart and the very simple way to answer such question next time class Just look at Jesus. Was there a time when we find love and hatred in Jesus? No. The problem with us is we find it difficult to enter into the fullness of God because we just don't believe it is possible. If you say Jesus dwells in you, And it is impossible for love and hate to be in him. Why do you think it is impossible for you? It is in your thought. It is in your mind. Until you change your mind and renew your mind and begin to think like God. When God says it is white, if you are looking at that color and it ain't white, say yes, it is white. You have to begin to reason like God, begin to accept what God says. God did not tell us stuff that we appeal to our senses. If God says you are in Christ and Christ is in you, your standard should be Christ. And so you begin to judge with that barometer. If it is not okay for love and hatred to dwell in Jesus, it should not be okay for love and hatred to dwell in me. You see, the moment I get to that level, change will begin to come. Until I can change my mind to realize that, no, it is not okay. It is going to be in me. And I'm going to be in that dualism. And it is not the ultimate of God. I am not in the fullness of God at that point. Amen? So to answer the question, yes, it is possible for love and hate to dwell in me. And no, it is not okay. If I am in Christ Jesus, if I am born again, it is not okay. It is not okay. And someone says, well, you know what, Uh, well, we can define it. Well, I, I understand that. But we will get to that later, amen, if time permits us. So what James is trying to tell us is to begin to help us change our mindset. To begin to realize that it is not okay for me to live in dualism, even though I inherited that through my birth. Okay? I had that proclivity. I was born that way. Okay? But I wasn't created that way. Okay? And that's what Jesus came to change so as to make us be who God has created us to be. And so, but we have to start and begin. Uh, by accepting this truth. Amen? So, in the book of, uh, I think you can read that, Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 24, if you will, you can read all. It was beginning to expound to us. I didn't finish that book of uh, James. Um, I guess I should read it. Let's go back to James chapter 3. Um, Let me read verse 13 to 16. to you in the message version because I want to bring out something. Uh, let me read from verse 17. James, James chapter 3 from verse 17. I'm reading from the message version. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. I want you to pay attention. Real wisdom, The true wisdom, the wisdom that comes from God, is telling us that it begins with a holy life. It does not end there. It's not just, you know, but it is characterized by getting along with others. Can you take a moment and think about that? That to be wise in the eyes of God has the character Of getting along with others, that if I am claiming to be wise, that I have the wisdom of God, God is—I mean, why would God be looking at just, um, you know, is using a yardstick that is just so far away from any that anything that has anything to do with wisdom? How does living or getting along with others? Why should that be a yardstick? For God to measure if I truly have his wisdom. Amen? So I want us to see how we have no choice. How that we have no choice. Okay? where well, we do have choice. But how that we should choose to just listen to God and believe what he is saying. And forget about trying to reason or rationalize it. So if he's going to measure my wisdom in him, he's going to look at how I get along with others. How do I get along with my co-workers? How do I get along with my friends? Because if you don't get along with others, how can you influence change? Two cannot work together except they agree. See, the wisdom of God is too much. We cannot operate outside of the wisdom of God or outside of the counsel of God. We change ourselves when when we try to do that. All we need to do is to begin to learn to listen to God and to just follow his leadings, follow his instructions. So the way I'm going to be judged if I'm a wise guy, God is going to look at how I relate with my friends. He's going to look at how I relate with members of my family. How I get along with them, how I get along with people that I work with. That's not the way we look at it. Okay, we look at wisdom as someone that can just you know you know speak some good oratory, um, you know, lesson, you know, um, you know, solve some problems, uh, some divine, um, you know, ability to unravel mystery, and all of those stuff. And all God was looking for is how you relate to each other. That's what he's using to judge whether you have his wisdom or not. Because if you are wise, in God's eyes, you will see that as a great need. You will see getting along with others as a very, very important thing. Why? Because God is not a loner. God is not a lone racer. God don't do anything alone. And so as long as you want to be alone, you are not wise. You are, do you, I don't want to use that word. Okay, you get what I'm saying? So God don't want you to be unwise. So if you are wise, then you will know that in the the honors of God, God values values people he he can't do anything outside of community he likes to build a community and when someone is a lone ranger when someone is alone wants to live alone wants to do things alone God says you are unwise. I see you as wise when I see you getting along with others because that's the only way I can build my kingdom that's the only way I can build a community That's the only way I can build a home. That's the only way I can build a family. And God says, that is wisdom. One is too small a number to achieve any significance. We need to learn to make friends as Christians. We need to learn to understand the wisdom of God begins by you getting along with people. All this, you know, I don't know if it is, uh, if if I would say it's not true or it is true. This saying that says Christians are difficult to get along with, it is it's really really boggling my mind. Christians are really difficult to get along with. We need to begin to enter into the fullness of God to let that change. Amen. We need to effect the change. Amen. Because the change is in us. Amen? So the wisdom of God is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle. I'm uh, uh, reading verse 18. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day and cold the next. Mood swing. Not... Two-faced dualism, not two-faced. Okay, you can, yes, we can. Can you say that yes, we can. you can develop a healthy, robust community and lives and lives right with God? It is possible. Say it is possible. It is possible possible. to develop a healthy and robust lives with God and enjoy its results. It is possible. We can develop such a community. You see, because it's a big thing for God When he says something and you don't agree, or you say, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, he cannot do anything because everything about God is built on faith. If you cannot believe it, you cannot have it. You cannot be it. You have to believe so he says, we can. It is possible for us. That's the, that's the first thing. And to me, that's a winner. That's a joker for me. The fact that I know it is possible, guess what? I already have all the strength I need. I'm going to go headlong. Because I know it is possible. It is doable. If I'm a CEO, I'm going to fire you the moment I ask you to do something. You say, well, sir, this is not possible. You are out of the door. Yeah. Is the first principle in the military. You cannot say it's impossible. Everything is possible to them that believe. Amen. It's a custom in the military. Okay? And so you have to learn that. Just believe. Amen. So God says it is possible for us to build a healthy, robust family or community that is living the life of God. Amen. And we can enjoy the result. Can you imagine if we are successful in building a healthy community? Let's start from this in your house. I think the church is too big. Let's just start in your house. In your house. If you are able to cooperate with God, first by believing it is possible. That means every home we get to, there will be no unruly child. Why? Because it is possible to build a robust, healthy community. Imagine that. And the moment that happens in our home, guess what? We are having a healthy and robust church community. If that happens, we are beginning to have a healthy and robust community in our offices, in our work environment, and in the larger society. Amen? Amen. This thing can happen. Yes, we can. Amen? Yes, we can. Yes. So let me read the last part of that sentence. It said, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its result only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. Treating each other with dignity and honor. That's the hard work. Why did God call that hard work? Because human beings are complex. We are complex animals. We are very difficult to get along with. That's why God calls it a hard work. You see, that's why God will not use some other parameters. Because they are very easy. Uh, If if God says, well, I'm going to judge your wisdom if only you can wake up and pray, or if you can come to church every Sunday. See, those are very easy things to do. God, in his infinite wisdom, knows that if he can get you to do this, if he can get you to learn how to live with others, then he can get you to do anything. Because through a community community, he can build whatever he can do anything he can do he can change the entire world so it is a hard work to be a good friend it is a hard work to choose to be a friend like jesus and the hard work is just getting along with others learning how to be humble when others want to be exhausted or exhausted. Learning how to forgive when you are hurt. Learning how to overlook many stuff. Learning how to just look unto Jesus. It is a hard work to get along with human beings. We are not created very simple. Okay, we are not like buzz or like uh, you know any other creature, we are complex. So God recognized the Father, it is a very hard work to get along. But he is saying it is a possible thing to do. Yes. It is a possible thing. Don't tell me, oh, he's just too difficult to get along with. Well, God said it is possible. Amen. You see, Because the moment you set your mind there that eh, he's, oh, she's, so he is, oh, she, so he, she, well, it's not going to be easy. You can't get along with that individual. But if you put your mind on the fact that God says it is possible, that very difficult fellow at your job, if all you think about is the possibility in God, it is possible, it is possible. I suppose so, it is impossible. Guess what? God is going to begin to make ways. And that fellow that you think is very difficult to get along with, all of a sudden there's going to be a way that God has mended. God says, if a man's way pleases the Lord, It makes even his enemy to be at peace with him. See, Christians, I don't know when we're going to begin to trust God and trust in his word, but we can begin now. We can begin now. So it is possible to build a healthy community in your home, at church, at the working place. The hard work is just getting along. Say to your neighbor, the hard work is just getting along. And just ask God for that grace. Ask God for the grace to do that. You know, once you've accepted it is possible, then you can now move forward to ask for the grace. The grace you need to get along with those people you cannot get along with. Because it is not okay for hatred and love to dwell in you. It is not okay. We cannot continue to live that way and think it is okay. It is not okay. If that's where you are now, that's okay. But you have to... Agree, it is not okay. It is not okay for you to say, I love you, I love you to your husband or to your wife, and you hate the next brother or sister. It is not okay, because love and hatred should not dwell together in the same human being. Okay? As love is increasing, hatred should be diminishing. As love is increasing in you, hatred should be diminishing. And you may say, well, I don't hate, I just don't like his or her gut. Well, you just go and read the synonyms of hatred. Okay? So maybe that will clear it. Because we like to hide. Okay? If I'm not there, yeah, I'm not there, Lord. You know, I'm not there. I know it's not okay. God understands that. But if you're thinking you want to excuse it, that's where the problem lies. And that's what Christians do. We want to excuse it. Don't excuse it. If you don't love someone, you hate that person. I mean, there's no two way about it. If you don't love someone, you hate him or her. It's just the opposite. Okay? I need to make it plain. And if you don't believe me, I want to read the um, the synonyms um, for hatred because I know some some folks were not, uh, this, is, this is dictionary. <laughs> no, this is not me, okay? Hatred, and this, are, this is from Thesaurus dictionary. Okay, what are the synonyms of hatred? All those excuses you give, I don't hate, okay? Acrimony, alienation. I don't hate, we don't just, you know, get along. I just want to go my way and alienate her I just don't want to have anything to talk with her. I don't just want to have any. Okay, you don't hate. It's, the, 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 it's part of the synonym. Uh, alienation. Okay? Animosity. Animos. Antagonism. Antipathy. Bitterness. Contempt. Disgust. Oh, I'm just so disgusted about, oh, you know, I'm, but you don't hate her. You don't hate her you are disgusted. You can't just turn his or her God. And you are saying, you see, these are all the excuses we make because we want to excuse what God has not excused. You cannot. It is not okay to be disgusted because of what someone did. How about if God should be disgusted about, about what you, you've done or what you do on a daily basis? And you going to say, well, you know what? I don't hate you. I, I just don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I, well, I don't hate you. I, I, I'm just disgusted by your God. See, until we begin to make Jesus our mirror, we will be making excuses. I can read on. You can read it yourself. Okay? All the synonyms of hatred. And then you see all your excuses. And you realize that, When you don't love someone, you hate that person. It is that simple, amen? And so it is not okay for love and hatred to dwell in us if we want to be a friend like Jesus. If we want to be good friends, you cannot say it is okay. If it is happening now, that's fine. Just agree it is not okay. Say it is not okay. Then you can begin to ask for grace. Okay, you have to agree first and say this is not okay. Then you can begin to assess the grace of God that is available, so that you can live together peaceably, and you can get along with anyone, even the devil himself. Amen. I'm sure somebody who is still so bent as say it's impossible will say, Oh, how can you get along with the devil? The devil. did Did Jesus not get along with Satan? Were they not having conversation? (laughs) (laughs) He got along so well. Amen? Just a joke. Okay, so it is not okay, and if you forget anything today, I do not want you to forget that. It is not okay, okay, to say, well, you know, I just can't stand that fellow. You know, we just don't talk. We, we just don't, you know, it is not okay. You have to start from, the, it is not okay. If that is where you are now, ask the Lord for grace. So that that relationship can be amended. Because God cannot do without that fellow. God wants that fellow, amen? amen. Hallelujah. So you can, you, can read, um, you can read Galatians chapter 5 and you will see all these things that are manifesting in the work of the flesh that the Bible has said, but those things have been crucified. Again, until you realize that they have been crucified, you may continue to exhibit them and think they are okay. They are not okay because Jesus paid the price for all of those. Amen? If you see the manifestation of hatred, resentment, or emulation, or whatever it is, if you see it, You have to disagree. This should not go on. Lord, help me. Give me the grace. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so um, I'm going to move forward. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So three things that I want to mention concerning the commandment of love. The focus is how to enter into the fullness of God. And we're looking at love. And God is going to show us uh, one thing that we're missing, that I believe we're missing. And I will stop once I uh, mention that. I'm not going to go into these uh, examples. So we all know that God has commanded, right? And he has instructed, he has advised for us to love. And uh, there are three things that God told us to love, or three individuals. That God told us to love, or group, if you will. The first one, any taker? Love, love God? Yes, ma'am. He even told us to love, our love God, love your neighbor, love our enemies. Three. Three groups. Three groups. Every man created here on earth will fall into one of those three groups. Okay? So, because God is an all all encompassing God, He had to cover all the bases, cover all the ground. That's why He said you, you should love God. Okay? He says you should love your neighbor, love one another. And He says you should love your enemies. Okay, so why do we concentrate on the first two? And we never talk about the last one. We pretend as if that does not exist. Or even if we do know it exists. How many of us are really, really in agreement with that? (laughs) Okay? And to enter into the fullness of God, we have to do what he says. We have to agree with him that he will not make mistakes. If God says, I should love God, and if he says, I should love my neighbors, love brothers and sisters, love people around me, and he says, I should love my enemy, why do we always pray to kill our enemy? Or pray to God to kill our enemies? See, this is the dualism that we live in that is shortchanging us. That is not allowing us to enter into the fullness of God. God is saying, I'm hearing what you are saying, but I just don't understand. You are speaking gibberish. I do not understand what you are saying when you are saying you love me, and you are saying you love your neighbor, and then you want me to kill this person. See, God wants us to enter into his fullness. Love and hatred can dwell in me, but it is not okay. This thing ought not to be so. That's what James says. It ought not to be so. I cannot say truly that I love God and I comprehend the fact that I love God and I understand the true love of God, and yet I still not you or still believe I can ask God to kill my enemy. You might not say it, but your attitude, your behavior, your character, the way you relate, say much. So God has commanded us to love him, or instructed or advised us, and we all know that, now let me read just that one because of time. Let's just go to that last one that we are always not uh, really enthused about. In the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse number, I think, let me just read first for the three. Ye have heard that it had been said, thou shall love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray, a good friend, we always pray, pray for them which despisefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. If I want to enter into God's fullness, if I want to really be a friend like Jesus, I need to address that. You may be already doing a good work as trying, you know, to love those that love you. You may be already doing a good work as trying to love God. But I want you to bring one more in. Trying to love those that are unlovable. Trying to love those that are difficult to love. Again, the first thing is to agree and say, yes, Lord, and then ask for grace to do it. Because it is difficult to love some people. I mean, people who are persecuting you at your job, people who are talking, you know, backbiting, people who are trying to pull you down, God instructed to love them. God instructed to pray for them. Now, have you taken up that challenge yet? As long as we want to come around what is convenient, then we shortchange ourselves from moving into God's fullness. He said, what does it profit you if you love those that love you? Those that love you. Or if you greet or salute those, those that salute you. He said, even the Republican. Hey. Even the Republican do that. You understand. Amen? So God is saying, no. I am giving you an asset into my fullness. If, we, if you are trying to be a friend like me, if you want to enter into my fullness then you will need to learn that I also love those that are persecuting me. When I was hanging on the cross, I was praying for those that were hanging me to the cross. See, until we come to the realization of the true love of God, to know what it means, the length, the breadth, the height that we read initially, we may be fooling ourselves that we love. We may be saying I love you, I love you to, uh, to our wives or to our, uh, uh, to our spouses and thinking we actually have God's love. Until we come to the fullness of that love, wherein we are willing to say, Lord, give me the grace to love those that are persecuting me. Give me the grace that you have where you are hanging on the cross, where you are praying for those that were hanging you. Give me the grace. The moment we get there, guess what? God will release the grace. He will release the grace. And all of a sudden, those people that you have found so unlovable, so difficult to love or so difficult to get along with, in a miraculous way, God will begin to pave ways. As long as you think it is okay, nothing will happen. If you think it is okay to continue to live that way, nothing will happen. But when you say it is not okay... And you tell God that it's not okay. And you say, Lord, I just need your grace. This is going to be difficult. Guess what? The heaven will open. And grace will be released unto you. And you begin to see the miraculous here in this part of eternity. Amen? Yeah. And that's what we are looking for. That's what we are trusting God for. That's one of the reasons for Friendship Sunday. When it will begin to manifest this true friendship. In the fullness of God, in the fullness of his love. Because you cannot be a true friend or a good friend until you have this true love. And that love entails loving the unlovable, loving those that are not so friendly. Will you rise on your feet? Will you rise on your feet?